right, so let's give it up for the umpire of Unseen Realm Upgrades Unlimited, Wendy Backlund. Before I get started, um, I asked Kylie, who is on our team this weekend, if she had a word for the house. And so she has something encouraging to say. Come on up. Oh, good morning. It's so good to be here. Wendy, I was just, when I was lying on the floor over there, <laughs> I was like, Man, I don't think I've ever felt so comfortable coming to a church and not having been here before. I just, yeah, I just feel so welcomed in, and I'm like, man, there's such a, a deep resource of people. And um, I was reminded of um, Queen of Sheba in the Bible, and she saw that King Solomon had something that she wanted. And she was willing to leave her nation and go across the world to get what she wanted. But often we go to different, like I went to a different nation to get what I wanted in God. Or we will go across the country to Bethel to go to a conference and pay lots of money to get what we want in God. But this morning um, I saw these ladies over here and they were just so joyful and I was like, oh, I want some more of that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I've never met them before, but, you know, and sometimes it takes more resource to walk across the room and go, oh, I want to join in here and I want to have some of what you've got. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I really just felt to encourage the the church today is to say you have so much resource in this house. Yeah, there are people here with such a history of with God and have so many testimonies and stories and carry anointings and giftings. So my word of encouragement for you this morning is if you see someone in the church and you go, wow, you know, I want what they've got, use your resource walk across the room. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. If you do know them a little bit, say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you lay your hands on me? Or can you mentor me? Can I have a coffee with you and just talk to you and ask some questions? So it's not really a, I don't know if it's a prophetic word, but an encouragement. Yeah. Glean, glean from the house. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Kaylee. Yeah, this place feels like home, even more than home. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sorry, getting overwhelmed already. <sighs> Jesus. Oh. All right, Jesus. <laughs> Well, I, I'm just, I'm going to have to move somewhere else from what I'm thinking. Ah, oh, Jesus. You know, my life verse, you know, we all need to have a verse that God has specifically told you this is who and what you are something that you keep going back to when you get in that moment where you forget <laughs> who you are. And mine is Isaiah 61. And the reason it means a lot to me is it was given to me as a prophetic word by different people in a season when God was defining me. And um, I'm just going to read it real quick. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And we all know that Jesus quotes some of this scripture in the New Testament when he starts his ministry. And then later he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. This is the heart of the Father that we know that we don't have to live our life in poverty. We don't have to live our life in mourning and depression. He's made a provision when he said, I have come to give life and that life more abundantly. It behooves us to ask what it would look like. Because I don't think we're living it. <laughs> and the reason I don't think we're living it and I, this scripture just came to me this morning. I was just thinking about, you know, yeah, that scripture. I, I'm sorry, Steve's not here to tell you where it's found. <laughs> where it says that we shouldn't hide our light under a, barrel, under a basket or a bushel. Have you ever thought about the fact that we have been born again and we are now the light of the world, but it's possible to hide it? And I'm not talking about hiding the salvation message. I'm talking about hiding what you are. And the reason for that, at least for me, is that I have so much faith in my body that my body becomes the bushel and my spirit is hidden because I have more faith in the flesh than in the spirit. We are so geared towards living from the physical senses of eyes and ears and smell and touch that we don't realize. We think our reality needs to be based on our physical senses. And it's not. When you're born again, you have a whole new reality that you now have access to. called the realm of the kingdom. He's transferred you from the realm of darkness into the kingdom of light, and yet most people have never visited the kingdom. Because you can't get there as a human. You can't access it with your mind. And if you're living as a human, you will never be able to access the things of the spirit. And it's not enough to know as a theology that you're a spirit. You actually have to develop the awareness and the focus of this whole new being that lives in you. You are not your body. You will never know what you are until you're willing to let go of what you think you are. The souls of Christians are left dying and perishing on the plains of life because they've never been introduced to the realm that they were created for and from. As a spirit, when we begin focusing on the part of us that never dies, the part of us that defines us, when we stop defining ourselves by our body and our actions and we define ourselves as a spirit, a son or daughter of the king, when we define ourselves correctly and we sense that that spirit that's alive within us, that part of us that has dominion over the, the natural realm, then we will start making decisions not based on what we should do, but based on what we are. 
when the question is, oh, what should I do about, you know, um, pollution, just for an example. Oh, what should we do about pollution? Well, if you're a human, you're going to think of some human solutions. If you're a spirit being, a child of the king, you know that the whole earth is groaning and waiting for the revealing of who you are. To speak life into the, the, the rivers, into the air. How you define yourself will determine what you think you can do. But it's not enough to just have a mental agreement. Oh, yes, I'm more spirit than flesh. Do you feel more spirit? Is that how, you know, when it talks about um, walking in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh? I used to think, well, walking in the spirit was just, you know, walking with good character. Don't cuss, don't sin, don't think any bad thoughts. No, it means literally walking in the spirit. <laughs> As a spirit. Becoming aware of what was birthed within you. And I was just thinking about the moment I got born again, when I asked Jesus into my life, I felt something shift. It was like I felt free. Something inside of me had all these potential and possibilities and the weight of my old self wasn't bothering me. I think every moment of every day, we need to be, have that same awareness. You don't get less saved as you walk along with God. It's just that we tend to focus on the wrong things. We're, we're focusing on our, our flesh. We're focusing on what, you know, the earth does. So one of the things that really hit me one time, I was just meditating on anybody else ever have the thought, you know, you hear about people who are doing uh, deliverances. And, you know, my thought was, oh, gosh, I hope I never encounter a demon, you know. Because they're, they're mean and ugly and they're powerful. They do weird things. You know, when I first got saved in the 70s, it was like if anything supernatural happened, it was Satan. Because surely God wouldn't do that. When we invited Jesus into our life, we didn't just invite him into our world. He invited you into his world. It is the inheritance of every single Christian. It is their right to actually partake of and experience the realm of the unseen. Nothing's worse than getting people born again of the spirit and then telling them to stay out of the spirit realm. <laughs> what do I need a spirit for? And how do I access that? So I just want to read um, scripture here if I can find it. Okay, where are you? All right. Remember the Old Testament is kind of a, a, an earthly foreshadowing of what's to come. So in um, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, God's speaking to Abraham, and he says, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So 
when we get born again and we have a new father, he is literally inviting us to leave the land or the country of our earthly father and enter a country or a realm of our heavenly father, a land you've never seen before. And by faith, Abraham begins to journey towards this land that he, he has no idea what it's like, but God's told him it's good. When we're born again, there is a land waiting for you to enter into. And it's supernatural. It's like even in, in the Old Testament, the promised land that God told them about, it had grapes that were huge. It was flowing with milk and honey. And there is a land, there is a country. But to get there, we have to leave what we think is normal. So by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. There's a whole new world literally waiting for you. But you cannot get there as a human being. You're a whole new creation. When you let go, you know, of the excuse, well, I'm only human, I'm like, what, you're not saved? I thought you were born again. I thought you were a whole new creation. You know, there's so many scriptures that blow my mind that we just kind of we don't understand how to access stuff like Ephesians 2 when it talks about you're seated in heavenly places. And it's like, well, if we're seated in heavenly places, shouldn't we see them? Isn't there a reason for that? Is there something we should be doing? So here's Hebrews 12, 22. And before that, it's talking about Abraham, you know, well, I was reading Hebrews 11 when it said, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place he would receive. So Hebrews 12, 22, this gets me. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Not you're going, you have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. It doesn't say when you die, you're going there. It says you have come. And it says you've come to a city of innumerable angels. Do you know that most people think it's normal for Christians not to see the unseen realm? We think it's normal to be blind. I was talking to God once and I had read a, a book about somebody who had an encounter and some angel was talking to him and said, you know, what do you need electricity for? And the guy who was having the encounter said, well, it, you know, like this lamp, see, it, the electricity goes through the lamp and you see that light comes out of it. And he goes, no, I don't see that. <laughs> and I'm like, and then he went off on something else, but I had this thought 
what if the unseen realm, whether it's angels, demons, God, whatever, what if they don't see our body as much as they see the light of who we are? They see a spirit. So when we think about the demonic, we understand that when a person is under the influence of a demonic spirit, that spirit can make that body do things that are against the laws of nature. So witches, demon-possessed people, they levitate, they can make things move without touching them. I've seen demon-possessed people bend their body in such a way that their body should have broken. So under the spirit of, a, of an evil spirit, if a body can rise above the natural laws of the, the world, then how come under the influence of the heavenly spirit, we think our spirit is still limited to the natural laws of this world? Because God's greater than any demon. I remember reading about the seven sons of Sceva. You know, they go to this guy's house and they're going to cast these demons out of this guy. Seven men come to do an exorcism on this guy. And this guy beats up seven men and strips them naked. This is not just a story. Try to picture this really happening. What are the other six doing while he's stripping them naked? You know, it's like one guy? And so in my mind, I used to read that and think, yeah, demon-possessed people are powerful. Proof right here. This must be what God's trying to tell us. And then one day I read it, and God said, Wendy, if one man possessed by demons can do that, what can one man possessed by God do? Have you ever thought about Jesus? Because of the spirit that was within him, he was not subject to the natural laws of even gravity. He walked on water. In the, um, the um, transfiguration on the mount, what did Jesus do? This wasn't a vision. It was an actual event. Jesus levitated. And then he began to glow. He was like white, glowy. His spirit was so strong in that transfiguration that his body was no longer held captive to the laws of this world. I'm tired of my spirit being held captive by my body. I want my spirit to begin to influence my body to be able to do things. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We think it's just from sin. Maybe it's freedom from, I don't know, gravity? You don't have to believe everything I say. My job, I feel like God said, Wendy, your job is just to get people's minds out of the rut and make them have some thoughts that are different. So, whatever. And you know what else Jesus did on the transfiguration of the mount? He talked to dead people. Have you ever really thought that through? God is not the God of the dead. So anybody that belongs to God, even though they don't have a human body anymore, they're still alive. 
because they are not their body. Have you ever thought, this hit me one day and I just started laughing. I was reading about the, uh, the great cloud of witnesses. You know, they're, they're cheering us on. If they're cheering us on, maybe we should hear them. What's a cheer for? When you're at the home game, you don't put the crowd of cheerers in another room. We don't say, oh, team, we just want you to know there's people cheering you on over there. No, it's hearing the cheers. It psychs you up. It does something to you. It gives you that energy of, yeah, we can do this. If there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on, maybe it's because you're supposed to hear them. What if the normal Christian life is nothing normal? Hebrews 11, 14, people, uh, maybe I need to go back a little bit. Um, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. And then in 11, 14, it says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, and I'd like to put in their realm, People who say such things that they are looking for a realm of their own. If they had been thinking of the realm they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. Verse 13 of Hebrews 11. These all died, these men of faith, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. This means, you know, faith is visionary. These people actually saw what we're invited into. The thing is, is we try to enter without having a renewed mind. Your unrenewed mind cannot fathom a realm it's never seen before because it bases its reality off of what it's learned as a child and as it grew up. If I step off this stage, I fall. If I touch something hot, it burns. Our brain has been trained for a, this reality. And one day I was um, reading the word and I felt like God said, you know, Wendy, if the scripture hasn't changed your view of reality, you haven't read it correctly. Years ago, and I think I shared this here, but a lot of you may not have heard it, I read a book by a um, brain scientist who was at the top of her field and she had a stroke and she lost the complete use of the side of your brain that you need to be a scientist. So her mom was helping to rehabilitate her and from a doctor found some you know, things that she could begin to work with her daughter on so that her daughter can retrain her brain. And the first thing that the doctor said is get her puzzle pieces, um, like a puzzle for a uh, toddler that has maybe five, ten max puzzle pieces, and help her put the puzzle together, bring the picture out. So she does that. She brings the puzzle, dumps it on the table in front of her daughter, and her daughter goes, and she goes, okay, honey, the first thing we're going to do is turn all the puzzle pieces right side up. And her daughter goes, what's right side up? So she goes, well, look, one side has color and one side doesn't. And she goes, what's color? 
And so her mom begins to talk to her about color and hues and depths, and I think I would have felt like that was impossible. But this is what the scientist lady said who had the stroke. She wrote a book, and she said, as soon as my brain understood the concept of color, I began to see in color. And then her mom discovered that she was only seeing one-dimensionally. And she said that her sense of dimension was so impaired that she couldn't tell where she began and ended. There was no sense of dimension. It was like a photograph, and she was just, you know, there was fluidity. There was no delineation and markage of this stops here and this starts here. So her mom began to talk to her about dimension and how you could tell some things were further away or closer. And she said, again, as soon as my brain understood the concept of dimension, I began to see three-dimensionally. And I closed that book and I thought, I'm reading the Bible all along. What if the Bible is God's attempt to teach your brain about a concept of a realm? And when your brain understands the concept, it will begin to see. To begin to see in the colors of heaven. To see in the unseen realm of the angelic. So when we read the Bible, one of our goals is for us to be thinking of it as this Bible is a form for training my brain of a realm that it's never understood before. It's a realm where food multiplies. It's a realm where gravity has no pull on me. It's a realm where the things of this earth bow its knee to the name of Jesus. It's a realm where you get money out of a fish's mouth. Oh, thank you. And water from the river. So instead of just reading it as history, read it as if I have to convince my brain that there is a realm and a spirit that can influence what used to be uninfluenceable. Things that I thought were so real. Spirit created this realm, right? The word and the spirit in, in Genesis. The spirit was hovering over the chaos and the darkness, and then the word was spoken. So word and spirit actually created what feels so real. So the spirit cannot have less influence than the natural. It can't have more, this realm can't have more substance than the spirit realm. The spirit realm is the one that, lit, that is forever. It has more substance. But if we have more faith in the substance of this realm, have more faith in the substance of our body than we do for our spirit, then we will always be subject to the things of the natural. So how do you get there? Everybody wants to know. One is, I make it a, or at least I try to make it a daily practice to be aware of my spirit man. It's a state of being. And it has nothing to do with my circumstance. It has nothing to do with my body. It has nothing to do with what people say about me. 
I, it's almost like getting born again every time I have devotion where I feel that birth, that presence of something that wasn't there before. You can worship to get there. You could just maybe even reimagine your last great encounter with God when something rose up. And a lot of people have mistaken their spirit being as an anointing that hit them. You're in worship and something rises up and all of a sudden you feel powerful. It's like, yeah, I can do this. I'm big and strong and I can take on the hordes of hell. And then we step outside and it goes away and we think, oh, that must have just been the anointing in there. No, that was the real you finally, you know, set free. But you're so used to leaving the church service and then putting the bushel back over it. Your light is your spirit man. You'll know you're in the spirit by how you feel about yourself. Because your spirit man's already seated in heavenly places. It's already perfectly one with God. It already knows it's perfectly loved, accepted. It already knows it wins. But when we're more focused on the flesh and on the mind, then we start bringing in these feelings of shame and hopelessness. But it's something you have to practice. Because for so long, we've lived as a human. And our brain doesn't even know about this new being that resides within it. That can bring freedom. One of the things that really strikes me is how much faith I have in the natural realm. And even the thought of death, even though scripture says Jesus defeated death, we still have faith in the power of death. And, and I want to say that death is not a, a, a single event. Death is a process for humans. It's like, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just an event, but even before you die, we all believe that our bodies are wearing out and are going to die. Why was it when um, Adam and Eve were told if they eat of the fruit, they will surely die. And they ate of the fruit, and nobody died. For hundreds of years. Well, maybe the body isn't life. It's what's in the body that is life. And the body took a while to catch up I actually believe that it, you know they lived for hundreds and hundreds of years because they didn't have any faith for death. <laughs> so it took a while. <laughs> and now we have great faith for death. <laughs> death is this process, you know. My things are wearing out. My body's wearing out. My mind is wearing out. My hearing is wearing out. My teeth are wearing out. I have faith in wearing out. I have faith in death, that the power of death can do its work on me. But hardly any of us have faith in the law of life. What's the law of life? Everything gets bigger and better. He's the God of increase. 
glory to glory to glory. It's not waning, waning, waning glory because God is getting weaker and weaker. He is a force that increases just because it's life, but we don't understand the law of life is even more powerful than the law of death. Turn our brains upside down, God. <laughs> Part of it is being aware, and I wish I had time, but there's so many scriptures that, that really are giving an invitation for us and telling us that it is our right to experience the spirit and the spirit realm and to begin to flow from that kingdom and to do that, we have to practice. It's not about, I had devotion so God would know I'm devoted. I had devotion so I could change my view of reality. I had devotion so I could remember who and what I was, so I could have that moment of once again laying down what I thought I was and all the limitations that it had, and allowing my spirit man to actually influence my body so that my body's not covering. Have you ever had a moment where you're going to meet somebody that maybe intimidates you, or you know, you're not sure, you feel unsafe, and something within you kind of withdraws? Your body doesn't, but you're protecting and you don't fully show up because you're protecting yourself. You just put the bushel over your spirit. And every time you withdraw, you give spiritual ground to someone else. That's the moment that you remember, I am spirit. I am wholly loved. I'm a child of the king. I don't even have to say anything. I just have to show up as who I am. The scripture says that we should know no man after the flesh. But it's hard not to when nobody shows up as a spirit. It doesn't mean you feel like you know, you're better than other people. It's just who you are. We're all children of the king. There should be a sense of not only dominion, but nobility and generosity because I have so much. What can I do to help somebody else along the way? And, and that's when serving comes and it's, it's joyful because we're not serving as a human, we're serving as a king. With all the resources, sometimes I find myself wanting to not see somebody in need because I think I don't have enough or I'm not enough. But if I really knew who I was, it would not be scary to meet somebody in need. So here's my challenge. Throw away what you normally do in devotions. You can keep some of it. But decide, I'm going to read the Bible and then I'm going to imagine the events that I've read as if they were actual possibilities for me. When I read about heaven, when I read about the river of God flowing from the throne, I'm going to believe it's an actual place that I have access to. Who doesn't want to go swimming in the river of life? <laughs> the natural realm must bow its knee 
to the spirit realm, whether it's a spirit of darkness or whether it's a spirit of light. And we cannot abdicate, we cannot allow the spirit of darkness to keep manipulating the natural realm because we don't believe we're powerful. God wants to manifest through you because he's given the earth to man. That's why demons want to inhabit men. They want to inhabit men because the earth was given to man. And they can manifest and make it subject to them. And God wants to manifest through us. It does not serve the church for us to play small and powerless and weak. And just to clarify, pride isn't thinking you're great and powerful. Pride is thinking you're greater and more powerful than others. You need to know how powerful and great you are, but you need to know that you still need everybody else in the body. Because you're not going to be great and powerful at everything. <laughs> Maybe someday. But right now we need each other. And we need to be each other's biggest cheerleaders for greatness. And, but the first thing to do is don't try to do great things. Try to believe you're great. You have something within you that overcomes all the darkness. So, Father. Revelation, revelation. The spirit and substance of revelation. The spirit and substance of your revelatory spirit. God, we are in a season where you are requiring us to take the bushel off and for each one to arise and shine in the true identity of who they are. The world doesn't need more humans. It needs children of God, kings and priests who know who they are. So I just speak to each one, each born-again spirit in this room, and I say, arise and shine. Just picture your spirit man rising on the outside. It has been totally cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It has been empowered. It has been loved on. It has been released into the mysteries of the kingdom. They're all there. Your brain may not know them yet, but your spirit does. We thank you, God, that you were just pulling us into the things of the spirit like never before because only the things of the spirit can heal this world. To, can overcome the darkness, can overcome the strongholds of the enemy. And I thank you that this is a place that is a stronghold for God. I thank you that the life of God dwells in this place and it is drawing all men unto you, Father and releasing them out into the world to heal the brokenhearted, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And I thank you that a voice, a roar is coming out of this place that is commanding prison doors to open in the unseen realm and loosing people that 
aren't just addicted to drugs. They are imprisoned emotionally and spiritually. And the voice is being heard and declaring as they are seated in heavenly places and they are speaking down into this city and this region, be free. We command prison doors of hopelessness to open. We command prison doors of depression to open. We release the captives who are in captivity to poverty and hopelessness. We command the prison doors that are keeping their spirits engraved in the tomb of their past. And our eyes and our focus is on you, God not what the enemy is doing. And our eye is on the word of God that is the secret and the key to how we're going to change the world, how we're going to allow you to possess us and manifest the spirit in ways that the world has never seen before. We give you permission to manifest through us. We give you permission to change the way we think about this world and your world. We submit our mind to you and our thinking. And we thank you, Father, that it's going to be by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so good. Yeah. So good.